Support for this episode of the Full 90 Gooner podcast is brought to you by Amazon Prime. Right now, our listeners can try Amazon Prime for a 30-day free trial. Just click on the link in the description to activate your 30-day risk-free account. Enjoy the benefits of unlimited free two-day shipping with no minimum order size. You can cancel at any time before the trial ends at no additional cost to you. All right, let's start the show. Hi, this is Arsblog, and you're listening to the Full 90 Gooner Podcast. This is Kanu feeding Henri. It's still Gianni Henri, and it's 2-0, and that might do it for Arsenal now. What is up, everybody? This is the Full 90 Gooner podcast. You can check us out at Full 90 Gooner. Of course, I am your host, Mario. You can check me out at MNR underscore 14. Well, we are back. The Premier League is back up and running. We've had our first international break after only four matches. We got to love the international break. Um, not really into the international break, not really into this, uh, uh, what countries, leagues or whatever that they're doing. Um, I, I don't follow too much. It's just so much matches going on that is, it's so hard to follow and it's not, it's not really interesting unless it's the world cup or the Euro cup. I don't know if you know what I mean. I'm, I, I, I tried to catch a few games here and there, mainly El Salvador, of course, whenever my home country can play, I, I, I try to watch them as much as I can. Um, you know, the first game was against Montserrat, which I'm happy to say that they beat. Um, I wanted to watch it. Apparently it was a 10 o'clock start, but um, that was not the case. So thanks, Dad, for giving me the wrong information. But then the more interesting match, of course, was against Brazil, powerhouse Brazil. Uh, they played in Maryland, I think. Um, you know, once again, 10 o'clock start, but apparently my dad was wrong again, so he dropped the ball. But I, I managed to catch the, what, the last 30 minutes of the match. Um, of course, by that time, El Salvador was already losing uh, 4 nothing to the likes of Neymar, Richelson. Um, I think William was playing, and then they had a bunch of uh, young talent, uh, you know, making their debuts. And it, it, looked, it looked pretty rough, of course. El Salvador very much looking like your, uh, your Sunday league team, uh, nowhere near the stature of... Uh, the likes of Brazil. But anyways, it's always fun to support your, your national teams. Of course, uh, the the other esteemed panelists in my uh, in my in my group here with Full 90 Gooner are all uh, my American brethren. So uh, I, I don't know if uh, they managed to catch the match against Mexico. It's always a good match when uh, Mexico and the United States play because there's a huge rivalry there. Um, I'm going to ask one of my uh <laughs> one of my friends here uh, to see if they saw it and what did they think of that picture, you know, with the I don't even know who that was, but he's a big boy uh, against the little Mexican, uh, you know, showing him the little uh, stature, if you will. <laughs> I just found it kind of funny. But um, yeah, international break has come and gone. Uh, I, I have to come out and say I do apologize for not uh, doing a podcast um, after the Cardiff match, uh, which Arsenal won 3-2. Um, we were, oh, I was personally extremely busy. Uh, none of the guys are at fault. 
for it. Um, I had uh, just a bunch of work things, family things going on. It's, you know, the end of the summer, so it does tend to get a little busy for us uh, in terms of family things to do. So I do apologize, but we had an international break, but we are back. Arsenal, Newcastle, Arsenal 2-1, to the good. Unai Emery's army is steamrolling ahead. They are right where we want them to be. I think uh, he's doing very well in terms of um, last season where we were having problems with away matches. I think we only won two or three. Uh, but once again, I'll talk to my panelists here and ask them uh, for the right information. Um, but yeah, 2-1 to the good. Uh, and to uh, further discuss this match of course i have my good american friend from arizona it's my boy ryan you can find him at that at that guy rye on twitter and that's d-a-t with two y's ryan good to hear from hey. you again buddy how are you just to be clear it's uh at that y. oh sorry you're right two y's two y's at the end yes so at not not you're in not in the guy, but in the rye. Yeah, so there ours. you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify. Got to get, get that follower number up. It's key for the brand. What's uh, going on, my guy? Uh, too much. Uh, good to be back. And uh, back from the interlow, back back to the Barclays, and back with an Arsenal win. So uh, glad, glad we can discuss that. And, uh, um, yeah, the American... America Mexico match. I actually didn't watch any of it. Um, for those who know, I'm I'm quite anti um, U.S. soccer um, for many reasons. So uh, the whole Matt Miazga, that was the American defender's name, who did the the whole "I'm tall, you're short," and um, you know, I I can't see you because you're so short. Um, cool story, <laughs> bro. I mean, you've been on loan like 27 <laughs> times. Um, you play for like an obscure Dutch team and Diego Linez, who's the Mexican player who was mocking is an absolute stud who's probably playing in a top five European league in a couple of years. So, um, that's my anti us soccer take for the day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> did you catch any international breakings? Uh, I did watch a few of the U uh, UEFA nations league, try to get excited for it. Couldn't really be arsed. Um, I'm still sad that the whole Mesut Ozil fiasco and German mm. Federation racism and bigotry. So I've kind of I've kind of been in a dour mood when it comes to internationals. But um, Aaron Ramsey scored something he can't get close to doing for Arsenal at the moment. But hey, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll get into that. As, as I, I'm sure I'm sure you'll have no problems getting into. Criticizing Aaron Ramsey. My, my boy Aaron. Yes. Yes, of course. And, and, and just to clarify, ladies and gentlemen, I want to do a little, uh, a couple of things differently. So, uh, with this podcast, um, you'll, you'll, you'll hear as we go along. Same thing. We're still having some fun, but just the format's going to change. And I hope you, you, you all like it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, yeah, international break came and gone. Uh, you know, I think the Cardiff match, is pretty self-explanatory uh 3-2 to arsenal um mirroring what you've been saying all along ryan uh as long as arsenal score more goals doesn't matter how much goals they get against uh, as long as it's more than the opposing team 
Um, very much the same thing as the the Newcastle uh, match. I guess we can get right into the Newcastle match, Ryan. Um, of course, we are playing in the Toon. At the Toon. Sorry, uh, ladies and gentlemen, no Santiago Munez uh, this match. I think he's long and retired. I'm, I might be dating myself. I don't know if anybody has seen those movies, but those are cult classics. Uh, absolute legend, Santi Munoz. Okay, Gavin Harris, Alan Shearer. <laughs> okay, that's en- it's enough of that. I'm pretty sure everybody beats that down to a bloody pulp. Um, Ryan, Obama uh, Yang, Lacazette starting together finally um i know that they started they started if i'm not mistaken they started together against cardiff did they not correct that's right but we didn't talk about it so this is our first surprise <laughs> so uh ryan on top of that what are your overall thoughts on this match well starting with the lineup as you mentioned um lacazette and Bamiyang starting together but not necessarily playing together, which I think a lot of people would, would like to see, um, playing with two up top. So Aubameyang is playing on the left, which he uh, has been. Um, so that that's kind of, I think Aubameyang's, although he can play out there, I think, you know, in this match showed he, he really struggled to get involved and get any rhythm in the game. I mean, to be fair, the game was was very ugly, very choppy, and, and just lacked any kind of intensity from both sides, you know, really throughout the 90s. So uh, not not a, necessarily Aubameyang's fault, but he just he looks a bit short on confidence. Um, he doesn't look comfortable, you know, receiving the ball on the left flank, trying to, you know, play play in the middle of the park. He's obviously more comfortable with running off shoulders, um, you know, off central defenders, playing in those channels and, and kind of getting on the end of balls, not starting the attack. So I think that's that's kind of a conundrum that Emery is going to have to sort out. And I think, because I think Lacazette um, is just playing remarkably as that lone striker. Um, you know, he's, he's providing the kind of the hold up, the link up play with his back to goal. He's obviously providing the finishing and um, it was his blocked effort for Ozil's second goal. Um, I think he's really playing that number nine role you know, exquisitely well. So it's difficult to say, well, okay, Aubameyang should be there because he's, you know, we just paid 60-odd million for him um, when Lacazette is in such good form in that position. So that's something to look for. Um, I think another surprise was um, Guendouzi getting another start, I think, again, after the Cardiff match when Torreira came in and, and provided the assist for the goal, and we were just much more fluid and, and much more of a threat in that second half when Torreira come on, came on. I think everyone was expecting him to get that start in place of Guendouzi. And of course he didn't, uh, but then he yanked Guendouzi at the half, um, brought Torreira on. And, and I think that totally transformed the match once again. So you have to wonder what, what exactly Torreira has to do to get a start. Um, I, and I, I don't want to say that that's a knock on Guendouzi. I think you look at his passing numbers and his activity numbers. He was quite, yeah, he played a good game. He just there's something there with him and Jaka um, and Ramsey kind of playing that further forward role that just we don't seem to have that rhythm and able to really get a hold on matches. So and when Torreira came on, I think we looked a lot more um, playing with a with a higher tempo, 
looking to you know pass between the lines, move the ball forward in a much better clip and a much better rhythm. So, um, you know, we'll see we'll see where that goes. But um, you know, there was and surprisingly, just in terms of Newcastle, uh, they didn't they just didn't look up for it, uh, which I thought was odd considering they've I think they've lost all four matches coming into this. And uh, just looking at the table real quick, yeah, they are. Yeah, so they, they've drawn one match out of five. So um, you would look for them at home to really play with some urgency and really come at us. Um, but they, they were they were just very poor. So apart from the goal at the end, we didn't really have a lot to deal with. I think they yeah, they're only shot on eh, – well, they had two shots on target, both, I think, in the last few minutes. The uh, Czech saved the first header, and then the second header is have they scored. And basically, other than that, they, they were, weren't threatening at all. So um, – didn't have to expend a lot of energy, a lot of quality to get the win. Um, anytime again, you can get three points away from home. You'll take it. Um, and yeah, that's, I think overall the summary. I'll probably go into some some individual storylines and passages of play. But uh, again, three points on the road. You'll you won't complain. Yeah, very much. I, I I'm not complaining. Uh, I think we're doing better than what we've done last season. Obviously, on the road. Um, mm-hmm which is, uh, I guess, better than anything. Uh, I just, you know, touching on a couple of points there uh, that you were saying, you know, Torreira, um, what does he have to do to get a start? Is it, is it still very much Unai trying to figure out his squad still? Um, I, I, his back line is pretty much set. He's pretty much set on check. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll see Leno uh, finally get a start um, against uh, in, in, the, in the Europa League. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. is, is it, is he still trying to figure out how his team is going to be shaping? Uh, I mean, I think that's definitely the case in some areas. I don't, I think, you know, for this match, when you look at Torreira, he, he did play with Uruguay. They were playing in the United States. So he had, a, he had a lot of travel. He also did pick up a calf kind of slight knock injury, uh, during the first match of the break. So that could have played into it. I mean, I, I think obviously pulling Guendouzi at halftime for Torreira, he he had seen enough and, and seen okay, we we got we got to change this up. And I, and I and I like that about Emery. I mean, I think I think okay, surely now. I mean, obviously we'll see what happens Thursday. Um, but if, if Torreira doesn't start Thursday, I think he's finally going to say okay, he's he's our starting center midfielder with Xhaka and. Um, that that's that's how we need to start games because that, you know that, this is the second week in a row where Guendouzi's been pulled early in the game after starting and we've been a bit sluggish and and not playing in the tempo and rhythm that we should have. So I, I, again, I like the fact that he's able to see that and make the quick change. But at some point, you got to say, okay, stop! Don't make the mistake in the first place by not selecting him, and that way we can have a full 90 minutes of, you know, our, to our highest potential with, with him in there. So I think something to look for for Thursday is who's going to start, who's going to be rotated, who's going to be even on the bench, who's going to be left out completely. I think that will get a better idea because he hasn't, he hasn't had any other really opportunities to rotate or to see who's kind of second, second team, if you will, or, you know, a rotational spot. So um, I think that's going to tell a story on, on, who is going to be that partnership in the middle uh, for the league going forward? Did Did you see anything wrong with Guendouzi's play to warrant um, 
Unai taking him off at halftime and not, I don't know, maybe at the 60th minute, 70th minute? I, I just, I don't know. Again, I think you look at his passing numbers, I think he was upwards of 85%, uh, maybe closer to 90 um, No glaring mistakes, you know, defensively or giving the ball away cheaply. I don't think he did anything wrong. I just think his, you look at the difference between him and Torreira. Torreira receives the ball. He gets rid of it quicker. You know, he doesn't hold it. He doesn't take that extra second or two to kind of survey. He, he gets it and it's gone. So he gets us more into our tempo, into, you know, allowing our our creative players, the Ramseys, the Ozils, the Mkhitaryans, to, for them to get more touches in the attacking third to generate chances that way. Guendouzi's just still a little, you know, he's, he, he drops deep. He kind of drops deep into the right sometimes. And so I think we're just too stretched with him and Xhaka in there. Um, and he's not a – right now he's not uh, carrying the ball forward at a, at a successful rate or passing between the lines at a high clip to really justify being in that central area. So I think I think what Torreira does is not anything that's necessarily exquisite or breathtaking, but what he does is so vital is, is – the ball moves quicker when it comes to him, if that makes sense. Uh, total sense. Now, the the goals came from an unlikely pair. You would think Obama Yang with his scoring prowess and Lacazette very much the same. Uh, you would think they'd be banging in the goals for Arsenal. Lacazette does have some goals for Arsenal as well as uh, Obama Yang, but uh, two unlikely Heroes, which are starting to grow on me a little bit more than the other, which was a a, a doozy uh, of a of a free kick goal. Uh, Granit Xhaka uh, with a beautiful free kick goal um, in just uh, just past the the second half. There, I think forty eighth minute is when he got the uh, you know opened the scoring up for for both clubs. And uh, man, um, the more and more. I'm starting to see to see Granite Xhaka playing. Um, the more and more confidence I am building on this guy, not only to start, but to uh, you know move the ball around. I think I think his play was phenomenal uh, this match. I, I'm pretty sure. Am I wrong to say it was probably his best match of the uh, of his Arsenal career to date? Yeah, I thought he was uh, excellent as well. I mean, um, I think especially, again, when you add Herrera into the mix, it really highlights, allows Xhaka to shine at what he's good at, which is um, a direct line passer from a deeper um, position on the field, in midfield, into the into the you know attacking final third. And... You have Torreira there, who can again, who's going to quickly move the ball. It's just a more fluid um, style of play, and then also Shaka is not going to get exposed as much defensively, which again is, is not not what he's known for, not what he's best at. When you have a player next to him who compliments him, that's a that's that's where you get the best out of him. And of course, um, yeah, listen, anytime you get a direct free kick goal like that um that's a huge bonus I, it was, I, I, we're not used to getting those at all i think the last one i saw people talk about on twitter might have been alexis versus middlesbrough which was two seasons ago um so um yeah that's or not two seasons ago that was last season um but you know 
simply we don't we don't expect to score those type of goals. Um, and it kind of you know that 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 game needed that kind of moment because it didn't look like you know we were going to carve them apart and create a clear scoring opportunity. And, and the fact that we got it so early in the second half was kind of you know that that goal was needed to kind of set the tempo for the rest of the half and really act as the uh, catalyst for the victory. Yeah, and and not even ten minutes later, then you have Mesut Ozil scoring uh, low to the left. You know, the eighteen-yard box, left-footed goal uh, from open play. Um, it was great to see. It was great to see uh, him actually in his rarities of smiling. Uh, <laughs> I I know that's one of my big key things is that, it, yeah, you, you just don't see the enthusiasm. But he looked hungry. He looked fresh um, during the halftime there. Um, when they were the commentators from TSN, uh, which is in Canada here, um, they were talking about how he looked hungry, he looked fresh, he looked um, like, you know, obviously because of his interesting last couple of weeks uh, with the national team and all this other hoopla. And we'll, we'll get into it in the second half of the podcast uh, in terms of, uh, you know, one, uh, transfer dealings or whatever but he, he looked fresh and it was good to see that him scoring do you think maybe this will sort of revitalize him is he on on a on a you know on a new fresh course so to speak yeah i mean definitely you could see the relief and and for ha to have that some something good go for him individual i think was was a um i think for everybody Arsenal fans were, were just great to see because obviously tumultuous summer, rough summer personally for him. Uh, had to start the season in great form, so to get that goal, have it be the match winner, um, is is great for Mezit. And um, yeah, I think going forward, I mean, the the tricky thing is going to be where is he going to play? I, the the big question going forward is going to be how does Emery manage? Basically going to come down to three players um, for, I think, two spots. You're going to have, basically, you have Mkhitaryan, Ramsey, and, and Ozil. And I think regardless of the formation, um, I mean, you, can, you could shoehorn all three of them together, but it's looking most likely that one of those three is going to be left out of the team on multiple occasions throughout the season. Um you got you got Ramsey playing, who was playing central, a little further forward in the ten, and you had Ozil, who was played out wide right, who's done that before. Um, but I think it's it's no secret that his best position is in the number ten, and Ramsey's best position is coming from deeper. Um, but again, if you have a good form, good partnership with Jaka and Torreira, you know where does that leave Ramsey? Um, You've had a really good start to the season with Mkhitaryan on the right side, linking up with Bellerin. Um, so you'd like to see him continue there. So where does that leave Ozil if you're trying to get Ramsey into the 10? So if you move Ozil inside and you're playing Aubameyang out left and Mkhitaryan's kind of made that spot his own on his right, then where does that leave Ramsey? So if you want to get Ramsey into the team and you still want to keep Jaka and Torreira, then you play midfield three, then... Where does that leave Ozil or Mkhitaryan? Or where does that leave Aubameyang? So there, there's um, not necessarily a bad problem to have if you got guys who are fighting for the positions. But I think you also could be an issue where you're trying to shoehorn guys in and 
although they're capable of playing outside of their preferred positions, you, you risk not getting the best out of them. Um, and so that, that's something Emory and his staff have to look at and say, okay, listen, do we try to appease everybody and just try and throw everybody on the field and see what they can do, even if it's a not preferred position, or do you make a hard decision and say, all right, this, this isn't working. Ramsey, you're not a 10. Ozil, you're not a wide player. Um, you know, I, and I think, I think you have to boil down to two players. I think it's going to come down to those two. And again, you have to look at trying, trying to kind of deduce here with logic. Well, Ramsey's out of contract at the end of this year. There's no real indication that he's going to sign a new contract anytime soon. Uh, Ozil's just signed a new deal. So he's your highest paid player. He's arguably one of probably your most talented player in the entire team. So it would probably behoove you as a coach to, in order to get the most out of your most talented and most expensive player, play him in his preferred position where he's been the best in that position out of anybody in world football. Um, that's kind of a logical, I think, way to look at it. At least the way I've, I've kind of looked at it. Um, and I'm a big fan of Aaron Ramsey, as, as you know. But um, again, if you're not playing Ramsey from deeper as a number eight, um, then I don't think you're going to get a, an effective Aaron Ramsey. And if you're not getting an effective Aaron Ramsey where he's not getting shots on goal, he's not making those runs in the box, he's not, um, you know, kind of really having an impact in that middle third of the pitch, then I think you have a player who's just kind of an average player. So that, that's, that's what I'm looking, that's kind of the big storyline, I think, internally, is how, what's going to unfold, you know, between now and, and January. And if Aaron Ramsey's kind of left out in the cold, then again, looking towards the January transfer window, out of contract in six months, just like Alexis, his Arsenal say, hey, hasn't really fit in what we're doing, doesn't have a new contract, do we try to move him on for, you know, 20 million or so, trying to get something for him? Because he's going to walk anyway, so that that's kind of the things I'm trying to project uh, for the future of this team. Even though, um, you know, listen, we're going to compete for top four. We have the Europa League, and I think that's kind of the one of the more juicier storylines is how he figures out with this talented group of players who fits where in what positions and uh, who's left out. Yeah. Now, without getting too much into Aaron Ramsey because uh, there's a there's a he's a topic of of that I want to talk to you about further um in the second half of the podcast but um yeah uh you know what it, it, it's it's no it's no uh it's no um what do you want to say it's no question for me you know Aaron Ramsey get the fuck out of the team um <laughs> uh oh. and yeah I, I would I, I would put Ozil in there I, I just I just uh, Ryan like I I don't Ah, I've just been so frustrated with this guy, and and it's not like he's—I I don't know, man. I just—I—he I, had a couple of missed shots, I think, uh, in this match, if I'm do remember correctly. Um, yeah, and- there was a cutback um, early in early in the match that came on to him from from Nacho, I believe. That yeah, died. that was a really good, really good opportunity. And, yeah. And, so listen, I, there's no question on, on his current form. He shouldn't. He probably he shouldn't be in the starting eleven. I agree. Um, but again, the problem is if you think if you think he's a ten, which he isn't, 
um, and you continue to play him there, you're, you're not going to get him in his best form because that's that's not that's not it doesn't suit his strengths. So um, that, like I said, that that's the biggest thing to look for. It, it, uh, which I think is I think is kind of counterproductive because if you're playing him there to try and say, okay, we need him in the team, but I, we got to play Jacques and Torreira or Guendouzi or whomever that is. Um, so we can't play we're playing a two. He's not going to play in a two. Um, Ozil can play out wide, so I can stick him there. So I need Ramsey in the 10. Well, so now, now you're not getting the best of Aaron Ramsey and you're not getting the best of Mesut Ozil and you're losing out on a Mkhitaryan who has excelled in that kind of inside wide forward position. So to me, you're, you're sacrificing the best of three players by trying to shoehorn one player into a position that he doesn't even want to play in. I mean, you can tell he doesn't look as comfortable. He doesn't look as confident. He, he looks more constricted. Ramsey's a great player because of the space, because of his engine. He's able to go box to box. He needs, he needs, he's like a, you know, he's like a cattle dog. He needs, he needs space to run around it. He's, he, he can't, you don't want to, you don't want to confine him into a, into a pen, into tight spaces. That's where Mesut Ozil excels at. So I, I think, you know, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, obviously Emery is new and, you know, he's not, he's, he's, a, he's a very keen football mind. So he sh- him and his staff should be able to analyze that on film and see that, you know, listen, Ramsey's touches are down, his shots are down, everything's down. Um, well, the obvious fix is get him out of that position. Now, whether you want to get him out of the team completely, that's a whole other thing. But I think he's got to get out of out of the ten and move move Ozil in there if you're going to play a four two three one. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I guess um, he does have a uh, a conundrum still with trying to figure out his team selection and how he moves forward um, throughout the season. I mean, hey, five games into this into the into the season, um, still relatively early. Arsenal is still winning regardless. Um, it, like you said, it's a good headache to have. But come January, I don't know. We, uh, we've, we'll, I guess we shall see um, how, how it all pans out. Um, but anyways, you, you know, Arsenal 2-1 to the good. It's, it's, it's always good to see Arsenal winning, of course. Um, we're moving on uh, to, to the Europa League now. The Europa League season is officially upon us, even though, you know, the champions. We're not hearing that uh, anymore, and that started uh, today as well, and it'll continue on tomorrow. And, of course, then Arsenal will be paying on Thursday, uh, and then we have a, a match against Everton on the weekend. Uh, and we'll get further more into those games. I guess we'll preview, do a little preview of those games, and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk some more in in the in the second half to come. Uh, some huge news coming out of the club today. It's official, um, and uh, we'll speak further to that in the second half of the podcast, uh, which is gonna make for some interesting, interesting uh, talk moving forward to see in what direction the clubs, uh, the clubs, the club moves forward. Uh, with with this new direction uh, so uh, stick around we'll be back uh, to talk about uh, this and, and other little news tad bits so uh, stick around
hey guys, we'll be back to the show in just a quick second. I just want to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by Audible. Right now, our listeners can try Audible on a 30-day free trial and you'll get your first two audiobooks for free. Click on the link in the description for more details. You can cancel at any time before the trial ends at no additional cost to you. Let's get back to the show. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. So, I guess the biggest news so far to date, uh, besides you know the uh, the official announcement of uh, Arsene Wenger leaving and uh, Unai Emery coming to to town, uh, is that uh, Ivan Gazidis uh, is officially leaving the club as of today. Uh, Arsenal put out on their website that he is officially leaving. The club and he is going to be uh, going to AC Milan of all places and Arsenal are, uh, are going to be having two guys I guess running the club in uh, some dudes that I've never ever heard of my interesting thing to talk to you Ryan is if you've heard of these guys uh, in Raul Salanihi and Vinay Venkatesham fucking butchered those names man uh but yeah ivan gazidis good good effort just why (laughs) and it continues mario's butchering of name continues on this podcast ladies and gentlemen um yeah ryan huge news buddy i i'm i'm gonna actually say it's not that huge news no Um, okay sorry 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 to burst your bubble hey hey whatever you know content but um yeah, I mean, listen, Ivan, thanks for the memories, yada, yada, yada. But, like, listen, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm never going to be critical of somebody who's who's trying to get a bigger bag of money. So, good for him. Um, he's boys with, like, the AC Milan new ownership, right? So, that was obviously always going to be in the works. And I think, you know, you want to call it his dream job. I, probably not. He, he's getting more money, more power, more. Um, and listen, he, what he spent nine, ten years at Arsenal, kind of had ten a years, yeah, turbulent time of of you know shifting us into this new uh, look of of management and um, from top down. So I, I guess you could say job done for him. He kind of shepherded the club forward. Um, that's an optimistic way to look at it. I think we obviously there were some definite missed opportunities within the club, both on the field and and in the boardroom commercially. Um, so I don't think it's, I don't think he did anything spectacular. Whereas if now that he's gone, we're, we're going to, you know, miss his, um, you know, shrewd negotiation tactics uh, and nothing like that. I mean, listen, the guy who, the two men who were taking over, uh, Raul came over from Barcelona last year. Um, obviously very experienced. He's kind of the, you know, transfer negotiations, the deal maker, if you will. And the other gentleman was has been there, I think, for a couple of years as well. He's he's the chief commercial guy who was directly underneath Ivan. So he was the one actually, right, getting all these commercial deals. He he, he did the the visit Rwanda uh, sleeve deal. Uh, I think he's probably been the one negotiating the new Adidas deal. So um, yeah, listen, I, I don't think it's. I think you have to really try hard, and I think Arsenal did this try pretty hard to be pretty bad commercially with, with a team like Arsenal um, at your, at your expense. Right. So 
I think we've actually very much underperformed from a financial standpoint under Gazidis. Um, I think we've just been very complacent and comfortable. And I think that's kind of have been the theme of, of both the team off the pitch and on the pitch, uh, probably the last five years or so. So I think I, I think it's kind of fitting that that he left because with everyone else leaving, really. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I got a, I had a call come in, and some some reason my phone doesn't automatically block it when I'm recording. So I have to look into that. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think it, I think it's fitting that that Gazidis leaves. So that now 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 we've really now turned over a complete new new page of this football club with with all pretty much all key members uh, of leadership have, have been turned over um, in the past couple of years. So uh, I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think we'll notice any difference uh, or have any major impacts um, in terms of a negative um, repercussion of him leaving. So like I said, man, get your money. Good luck to you. Enjoy Milan. And uh, yeah, we, we move on. We move forward. Do you, do you know anything about these guys besides that you know that guy doing the commercial deal and anything like um, that Barcelona guy? I, I I don't know. Like is is it a a lot of I don't know a lot of Spanish contingent maybe coming over? Uh, Una well, Emery, this guy. Uh, I I just don't know anything about these guys. Oh yeah, well, so, so Raúl came over during when Sen listened at and Hus Fami came over. Those are the three kind of major appointees last year that were that kind of started the the new kind of takeover of leadership if you will so uh, raul oh, okay. i mean he was he was a chief barcelona negotiator for many years so this guy's been at the absolute top of the game in terms of transfers and contacts and and so he's he's basically the you know the the david dean if you will who you know as you know was the chief negotiator for Arsenal during the invincible years. And um, so we, and we haven't really had a guy since David Dean left. And, and again, Wenger was the one wearing multiple hats, kind of doing all of that with a little help of Dick Law, who was kind of a you know, negotiator getting the deals over the line. But this, this is a, a full restructuring of, you know, uh, corporate hierarchy. So you've got, um, You've got the commercial aspect. You've got the scouting. You've got the negotiating um, of those players that the scouting department says, "Hey, we need this guy. We're, we got the money. Good. Okay, now we need to negotiate the contracts." Raul, and in you go. Get the deal done. Um, so you have a clear level of, of systems in place, which we didn't have under Wenger. It was very much, you know, kind of again, Wenger doing kind of multiple multiple things he was negotiating he was talking to owners he was talking to agents he was talking to players now we have emery who's in emery's coaching football that's that's his job he's not he's not calling up agents he's not uh you know doing commercial negotiations he, he's coaching the damn football team that's what he should be doing these other guys are in place to make arsenal um, as as potent as it can possibly be on the field. So again, uh, negotiating new kit deals with Adidas that that'll give us more money. Negotiating the the sleeve deals, negotiating other commercial deals, and when the scouting department comes back and says, "Hey, we want we need this player for this position," it's then the negotiations team under Raúl to come in and say, "Okay, 
we'll get the job done. We'll get the deal done. And no more of this, you know, waiting all summer, dithering, 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 and saying, oh, there's nobody we liked in the market or he was too expensive. Just so that that system in place is now we've finally, I think, modernized our back room and our, our board. Not quite the board, maybe. There's still a few dinosaurs on that. But we, we've we've come up to speed with the rest of, of elite European football, if you will. So this is very much a good step in the right direction then. It is. And that's why I think, again, Gazidis leaving doesn't really change. doesn't change that. Um, he's, he kind of, again, shepherded that in. Uh, I think the, he kind of won the, I mean, I think people will be a little miffed of, he kind of won the power struggle with Wenger to, to implement this, this, uh, this change. And now that he got his way, essentially, now he gets up and leaves. It's kind of odd, but again, um, you know, thanks, thanks for doing that. And if you want to go get paid in Milan, hey, I'm not going to be mad at you. Go ahead. Good luck to you. Um, but at least now the system is in place for us to, again, operate a, a, as a modern powerhouse football club should. Well, excellent. Uh, I, I, you know what? I'm still saying it's big news because it's big news to me. I didn't know any of these guys existed in the club. I thought they just came in and, you know, <laughs> but apparently those guys have been in the club uh, for quite some time. Either well, way. It, yeah. It was, and this, this thing has been rumored for, for probably at least a good month and a half. And a half. So it's, yeah. it's really no secret or surprise. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like maybe. Maybe you don't get the news doesn't travel that far north to you, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Sometimes you know there's there's things that pop up in there, and it's just like oh my! I click on it, I'm like it's a long friggin' article. I don't want to read yeah. it. I don't have time, but whatever. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. Hopefully, uh, these guys can usher in a new era. Suddenly, so, so uh, I, I hope this uh, Raul guy, if he's so upper in the upper echelons of uh, transfer negotiations with Barcelona, I'm assuming then he had stuff to do with Neymar and all that other jazz. Right. So he's so, he's he's so, played in the pool before. So he, he knows so he knows. Yeah, he yeah. knows what he's doing. That's excellent. Hopefully, he can bring some players to the club um, in in terms of uh, great great talent. Well, then again, you know, obviously we don't have the spending power that Barcelona has, but whatever. It, it, it's it's all good. Um, there's another, there's another interesting article that I was reading today, uh, Ryan, I don't know if we're, I don't know, reading too much into it. Um, but it, it, it goes with, with the Newcastle United game, uh, that, uh, you know, because, you know, Obama Yang was subbed off, uh, relatively early in the match, uh, the 68th minute or whatever. Um, he, there was a, some sort of angry reaction from Obama Yang, I, I didn't see that, um, but uh, there's some. Is are we are we looking at a uh, Mourinho, Lukaku type of scenario here? Are we reading too much into it, or you know, he according to this article is saying it's normal um, that you know pl- players express getting upset because they're being taken off. Uh, but is there more? Uh, is there more between the lines there, or what, what do you think? Did you see anything unusual? I, I, I didn't see anything unusual. I mean, I, I don't think Aubameyang was particularly effective, um, and whether or not he was—I mean, I, I think it's good. It's okay if a player is upset that he 
is getting subbed out and, you know, we want to do more to help the team win. Um, you know, again, I think going forward, if he continues to be played kind of in that outside left position and is struggling to perform and confidence and not scoring goals, um, then, and he gets, he's getting subbed out because he's not playing well. And, he, and then he becomes frustrated because he sent, you know, fucking hell, I'm not a left winger. I'm a striker playing me up top. Uh, that's something to look at. But again, Emery's got to be able to pick and choose and realize can he get more out of a player if he plays him in a certain position now? I may mean, also say Aubameyang playing starting that left doesn't necessarily mean he's constantly going to be hugging the touchline and just whipping crosses in left and right. I think, you know, you look at the Cardiff match, although he was playing out left, he certainly popped up into central areas combining with Lacazette. And starting out wide isn't necessarily a bad thing for a striker who's most effective when he's, again, running off shoulders. There there's tends to be more spaces in those channels kind of outside of the uh, center halves when, when the fullbacks push up. So um, something, if he's going to be playing out there, obviously he's, he's either going to have to get used to it and adapt or not, you know, be okay when, when he does get subbed out um, and take one for the team. If you're not performing well, you, you know, you get taken out. That's how, that's how football works and that's okay. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, even these articles are popping up. I'm pretty sure more it's just more of a clickbait type of thing. Um, but yeah, I certainly didn't see anything. Um, and certainly on his social media, you know, even even if he um, was a little pissed off, I don't know, maybe, maybe he might have put something on there, you know, with social media the way it is for uh, superstars like this guy. Um, either way, um, it's... It, yeah, if he's not performing, uh, by all means, that's that's what I like about uh, Unai Emery. Like like you were saying, if if he sees that they're not performing, he'll take you off, and we saw that with Mesut Ozil uh, a couple of games back. Uh, so that's always that's always good to uh, to see. Um, moving uh, right along, I guess we were touching a lot on on, on the matches. Aaron Ramsey, um, you know, he is on his last year of contract. January is fast approaching. Uh, still hasn't signed a new deal. Guy wants more money uh, from what you're hearing. Um, although he, see, I, I, I want, he seems like a nice guy, but then again, you don't know, right? Um, but he wants to be one of the highest paid players in the club. I don't think he warrants that uh, considering how sometimes I, I, it's just how up and down he is. Uh, apparently, Man United and Chelsea uh, will be on the lookout in case he decides not to and Arsenal are forced to um, make a move for him in in January. Um, Ryan, do you think come February 1st, uh, Ramsey will still be an Arsenal player? Um, if I had to give you an answer, definite answer today, I would say probably... 65-35, he is not an Arsenal player come the end of the January transfer window. Mm, and why do you say that? Um, well, again, yeah, he, he doesn't look very settled. He doesn't look whether or not that's, again, the contract, whether he's worried about that or he's thinking of, of a move away or he's, um, again, because he's not played in his preferred position. Um, you know, I don't know. But he's not – we're not – He's not the Aaron Ramsey he was of two seasons ago. 
and he's been relatively fit. And um, so it's not down to injury. I think it's down to uh, where his head is and again, where he's being played. Um, so, and, and if Emory doesn't see him at, as a number eight and playing from deep, um, he, then both, I think Ramsey and the club would probably behoove both of them to say, Hey, maybe it's best we move on. And uh, this is a good relationship. Great, great memories, great times, but maybe it's just, you know, change, change is necessary, change is needed. And uh, I think that would, that would be okay. I think that would be, I mean, I, again, I love him as a player. Um, and I think he's had unbelievable service to the club, but sometimes change happens and that's part of life. So uh, as things stand now, I, I think it would be more likely to leave than for him to stay. Do, do you agree with Nigel Winterburn? He's quoted as saying, uh, I think Ramsey is committed to uh, a new Arsenal contract because he wants to see where they, uh, where they finish uh, this season. Uh, with a new manager coming in, there's lots of uncertainty around the club, and I would probably do the same. That, sorry that he isn't committed to a new Arsenal contract, I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I, I could see where that makes sense. Um, again, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, there's a lot of positive, um, I think, outlook when, when you look at the change and you look at the new manager and everything. Um, but at the same time, um, just because, you know, again, we looking at our squad, there's, there's some imbalance there and there's players who are going to be, going to be left out. Just, it's just a numbers game. And again, if you looked at, you look at not based on the team choice because Ramsey's been selected, but if you look at form and, and where players are being played and, and confidence right now, you would, you'd have a hard time thinking that Ramsey's, super optimistic about his arsenal career going forward so um yeah i could see that definitely being the case yeah you know he's i don't know i don't know if this is how aaron ramsey thinks because um you know it's another quote from nigel uh winterburn but i, I certainly would not i don't know he's saying he's saying i think ramsey loves the club but he is looking around the dressing room and he isn't convinced this group of players can qualify for major honors in the near future. Uh, but come on, Aaron. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on him, but I, I don't think you're the type of player that can move this club with major honors and especially with the money that you're asking for. I don't know. Am I being too harsh on this guy? Like, do, if, if he does leave, realistically, if he does leave in January and let's say he goes to... Chelsea or Manchester United, it, 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 wouldn't he be a bench player at this at these clubs? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. I think again, played in his right position. I think he's one of the best number eights, box to box in the league, and, and on, on form, I I don't think there's he is one of those without a shadow of a doubt. So, uh, but at the same time, I think criticism there is fair when you say. And again, he hasn't said this. This is Nigel Winter. Yeah, yeah, so, it's his quotes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ramsey's been here for 10 years. So he's, you know, been at the heart of us winning the FA Cups, but he's also been at the heart of us dropping out of top four and, um, you know, not really challenging for titles um, in, his, in his time when he's been a regular starter. So um, that's always that's always kind of the, you know, chicken, which came first, chicken or the egg, right? So is it? It's like the Robin Van Persie thing, you know, oh, he left because there weren't enough good players around him to, to win the title. But he was also 
on the team during those times. But then, of course, he goes to United and, and wins the title in his, in his first year there. So it's, you know, I don't think you can draw an exact correlation that it's one player that's going to, you know, win or lose or succeed or not. But um, sometimes it's just players and clubs need need to move on. Um, and, you know, it's like it's like going through a breakup. It's it's no one. Sometimes it's no one's fault, but sometimes pe- people change and and they, they need to change the scenery. And that's uh, that can happen. Yeah. I mean, if a club came and offered 30 million for him, bye, bye bye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, right. But, I mean, yeah. especially in in January when he's it's like like the Alexis situation. If he's yeah. not going to sign, and you know he's not going to sign, might as well um, sign. Yeah, because you might as well get something for him because you're not, you're getting nothing from him six months from then. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it shall be interested. I mean, I'm certainly not. I don't know. I just don't see it from Ramsey, but maybe I'm wrong, which pretty sure i am wrong but uh i know that he had that wicked season for us uh where he was just banging in those goals i do remember he had he had some freaking crackers uh in 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 netting some goals but i haven't seen anything like that ever since so it'll be interesting to see come january whether or not uh, he will be an arsenal player um i guess really the other the other thing is to talk about um the two matches that arsenal are going to be having uh this week the first one being uh this thursday against uh vorskala i think that's that's what they're called yeah vorskla uh god knows who the heck these guys are um they're from the ukrainian premier league uh hey it's the europa cup man uh so Arsenal's first match in the Europa Cup, uh, Europa League, uh, this season. How are we previewing this, Ryan? Is it a pretty straightforward match? Um, I mean, I think I think the things to look for again: who, who's going to be rotating in and out? Who's going to start? I think we'll get a probably get a definitely get a Welbeck start, a, a Leno start, probably a Licksteiner start. Um, you know, I think we'll probably see some rotation in, in central center defense with Holding and, um, and maybe Mavropanos. I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll stick with Mustafi. Um, um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who who kind of is the Europa League slash Carabao Cup slash easy fixture in the FA Cup starting eleven. Um, so that'll be that'll be nice to see. Maybe maybe you know some. Play, uh, definitely some players from the under 23s will get a call up probably just to the bench. So um, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew anything about Borsula. I, I honestly, when we got the draw, I didn't know that they were in Ukraine. Uh, the teams I know from Ukraine are basically Dinamo Kiev and Shakhtar Donetsk, which are usually the teams that finish in, you know, top two. So I had no clue that Borsula was in, in the Ukraine, um, let alone that they were any good in the Ukraine. But Hey, credit to them. Here they are, and uh, it's at home, so um, it's a nice start. I think it's a perfect fixture to, to start the, the group stage at home against um, a team. We'll we'll see a, a ton of possession. Um, I think we just have to come out again with a rotated squad. We saw it last year in Europa League of obviously being unfamiliar with playing with each other, but also managing expectations of the opponent. I think we were guilty of that last season against. Um, 
some of those lower sides, which we kind of just came out and we're, we're like, oh, we're too good to be playing here. We don't we don't really need to play 100 percent and uh, you can still get punished. So um, we got to come out with the intensity. I think that'll be the biggest thing. I, I think with Emory, I, I want to see is um, really instilling that that enthusiasm and that attention to detail, even in, into the second team, because I think I think Vanier was, again, definitely not a strong suit. You kind of let players, okay, we have a match, go out there, express yourselves, have fun, you know, play well. But you sometimes you need a coach to light a fire up your ass to, to even though you're playing a, a small Ukrainian team, to come out from the first whistle and really set the tempo and, and kind of finish, finish the game early, early in the first half, get a few quick goals and let them know that they have no chance and really impose your will early on. So those are the things I'll be looking for, um, you know, coming up on Thursday. Yeah. And it also helps that Vorskala have failed to win nine of their last 10 matches in the Europa League. (laughs) So uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, that we can uh, pull out a win and uh, not uh, be that one uh, win for these guys. Um, Who are you most looking forward to um, watching or seeing uh, in Arsenal that we I know, I know that we've we've seen Torreira, but he hasn't made like you know he hasn't made a full start. Leno, we haven't seen. Uh, may, maybe some of the some of the the kids. Who are you most looking forward to uh, seeing and hoping that they perform well? I mean, definitely uh, for me, it's going to be Leno. I mean, again, I don't think he'll be. Eh, I mean, just say he probably won't be tested that often. Probably true, but we've seen in these games um, we can give up quite a few chances when if we're not really focused especially with a rotate rotated back line but you know i think everyone's um looking to see if leno you know hell we paid 20 million dollars for a keeper so i think we didn't buy him so he could just be the rotational backup keeper i think we bought him obviously to be the number one at some point so i think you know again with checks questionable um ability on the ball uh, although i think i think checks uh, his shot stopping has been uh, admirable this season. So I don't want to completely discredit him, but I think people are, especially me, I'm going to be looking forward to, okay, what, what does Leno look like? We've seen him, what, in a couple preseason matches. Um, we haven't seen him. He hasn't played an official game, so we really don't know what the hell he's going to give us. Um, so that, that's, for me, one player that I'm going to focus on and, and um, see how he performs um, in his first match. For me, it's gonna be that 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 guy Wells. Uh, I love him. He, he there's a soft spot in my heart. He's forever a legend in my eyes. I'm hoping that he starts and plays well, and bangs in some goals for himself because it's that guy. A couple, uh, a couple air, a couple air shots, a couple goals off his shin. That's what he does. That's what he does. I love it. Uh, here's a side question for you uh, that that sort of just popped up, and you know, I, I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Um, who who do you think is, who do you prefer Leno or Chichesne? Uh, Chichesne, the Juventus goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our old man, our old guy. Oh, well, I mean, Again, I, I have I haven't seen. I mean, Leno has not played a single official minute for Arsenal, so I can't really. But from what you what you know of him or what you've seen, um, I mean, pro- I guess probably Chichesne, but. 
again, it's kind of a moot point because he's the number one for Juventus, and so he's not he's not coming back here anytime soon. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Woj is you know he's an Arsenal kid, came over when he was 16, and obviously he's kind of a cult hero for always you know fucking off Spurs. So, um, <laughs> but he had some pretty pretty memorable howlers and the whole smoking incident, and kind of left on a weird way. I I'm more I'm more upset. About Chesney, not that he left, but the fact that we only we sold him for like ten million, when like frauds like Jordan Pickford are going for like thirty million, and now he's Chesney's the number one at one of the best teams in the world. It's just again talk about Gazidis and his his uh you know his legacy. I think I think that's one of the biggest things that we we can only do better is is uh on getting fees for players that we're selling. So. Yeah, that doesn't really, that doesn't really answer your question, but I I, I didn't hey. I didn't really like your question to begin with. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Okay, well let's let's move on and preview Everton this weekend. Uh, Everton are not doing so hot. They uh, what they have one win, three draws, and a and a loss. Uh, Arsenal are coming off a fresh win. Um, how are we how are we lighting up this game man on the weekend it's more obviously it's more important than than europa uh we'll have players back and in terms of you know not not the ones that are playing uh one-off games but you know you'll have a bama yang like a zet coming back um it's pretty straightforward match I, I, everton is one of those teams that they can give you a problem you know they're they're one of the the upper lesser teams if you want to call it when we talk about how Theo Walcott looks like he's a extra, extra in a zombie apocalypse TV show where he's ex-military and, and you know it's all what, annihilate any zombies that get over that wall with with that new haircut. Can we can we talk about that? Yeah, let's That's, talk. What, what's his, uh, I haven't even seen he, his haircut. Are you serious? Let, hold on, oh, hold on. See, Let yeah, me see. No, he got Theo. He's been, growing, he's been growing his hair out, so now now he's got in like a hybrid of kind of. In or the just, mean- no, just go to Twitter, go Theo Walcott hair. You'll you'll get the results there. Okay. Well, in the meantime, how do you how do you see this setting up? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, depends on who starts and what who's playing where. Um, I think I think kind of the the whole everyone infatuation will will wear off, and hopefully, we can continue their kind of run of poor form, even though they started pretty well, but. Uh, yeah, again, who's going to start Thursday? I think it's going to determine who will be in those starting positions come come Sunday. Um, you know, so hoping for for no injuries and be able to fully rotate, and um, hoping Theo doesn't score. That's all. Or oh. if he does, if he does, it'll be like a four-one, and he can get the consolation applause and um, kind of like I think Eduardo, Eduardo did when he came back against. Uh, he came back against us. He scored kind of a meaningless goal in a, in a Champions League match, but something like that. I'll take a four-one with Theo, Theo with an 89th minute uh, consolation goal. <laughs> Dear God, Theo, what the f- what the hell is he doing? Look at his hairstyle. Am I right though? Like zombie apocalypse TV series. He's an ex- he's like he's a he's just the ex-military. He's no nonsense. He's Wa- Walking you know, Dead. Yeah, that's him. Very much The Walking Dead. Got, he's got some face paint, maybe. Um, you know, he's got he's got a, he's got a dark he's got a dark story that that you know the show's going to allude to, but not really get into it until 
the second season, but then the show's going to get canceled halfway through the first season, so we'll never know. I love but, it. I absolutely love it. That's my that's my Theo Walcott fan fiction. <laughs> oh man, I guess with that we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna we'll, we'll end the podcast there. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another Full 90 Gooner podcast. Of course, you can catch this podcast on our YouTube channel. Just search up Full 90 Gooner. You can look us up on anchor.fm uh, and it'll show you exactly where we all are. Interact with us, man. Uh, hit us up on our, um, on our Discord. Join. We can tat. It's all in the description. Uh, on behalf of myself, Ryan, AJ, uh and elliot thank you for listening to another full 90 gooner podcast uh ryan thank you so much for being on the podcast once again it's great to hear from you cheers brother you too yeah we will uh talk to you guys uh next week after the vorskala and everton match until then peace out